Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly abundantly and overflowing joy. Well, first off, before I start, I do want to welcome all of you who live in the local area to please come and join my Bible study. We meet on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. at Top Hat Pools and Stoves. It's a store. It's at 2258 Main Street, Wheeling, West Virginia. And we would love to have you. I am finishing up the next two weeks. You know, sometimes we get into discussions, and so things get a little behind. And so I can't always tell you exactly because I allow people to ask questions and we can get into a discussion about certain things that were never really planned. But I always encourage people to ask questions. Therefore, we may, um, we may not get through the whole text that we need to uh, finish that night. So it goes on the next week. So hopefully in the next two weeks, if you'd like to come, we would love to have you join us. We meet from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Wednesday night. So come on down. Love to have you. Now, I do want to apologize because last week I told you I was going to talk about Enneagram and Christian yoga today. But I forgot that tomorrow is Valentine's Day. So I really wanted to kind of bring that subject into the discussion tonight. So tomorrow marks one year that I restarted this radio program. So I'm excited about that. Another year has gone by and quickly it has. Well, tonight's message is titled, We Are His Beloved. Now, Valentine's Day is a day that many people hope for a card or flowers or sometimes a special dinner or a special gift. It's a day of heart decorations. You can see hearts everywhere because it's out of our heart that we love. And so we see hearts here, there, and everywhere. And so it's just to remind all those people that it's Valentine's Day on February 14th, and you better get that person you really like or love a special gift. You see, because it's out of our heart that we love, God designed us that way. Many times what we feel in our heart determines our actions. A sad heart, a broken heart, a joyous heart, a resistant heart. An unrepentant heart, a giving heart, a loving heart, or a heart filled with hate, or a heart filled with compassion. There are many emotions we can express in our heart, whether as a result of our flesh, we can react like jealousy, or as a result of our spirit, we can act like mercy. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 4, verses 7 through 8, listen to what he says. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, 
and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. The Song of Solomon is a very interesting book of the Bible, and most scholars believe Solomon was the author. But the meaning of the book has different interpretations. It is obvious that there is an expression of love between a bride and her bridegroom as you read through the chapters. Biblical scholars have debated whether the Song of Solomon should be read figuratively or literally. Ancient Jewish scholars often regarded the story in the Song of Solomon as a picture of Yahweh and his love for Israel. Many early church fathers, such as Augustine, Origen, Jerome, and Bernard of Clairvaux, believed this book revealed the love between Christ and his church. I tend to think it could be all of the above. And really what's most important is just to understand that it's talking about God's love for his people. Whether he's talking about the Jewish people, whether he's talking about the Gentiles, whether he's talking about all people. Now, my intent today is not to provide an understanding of this particular book of the Bible, but to use it as an illustration of God's love for us. Chapter 2, verse 16, Song of Solomon, expresses that intensity of love as we see in these words, My beloved is mine, and I am his. The Apostle John probably describes God's love more clearly than any other writer of the scriptures. In 1 John 3, 16, he states, and I quote, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. You see, when our heart is changed through conversion to Christ, we immediately become love. Well, how is that? Well, he is love. And now he lives in us. So it's his nature and character that now reside in our heart. Now, do we always manifest that love? Well, hopefully so. We are Christ's. We belong to him. No longer do we belong to this world. And I want to say hallelujah right there. We have been transformed by his love. That's almost, that's almost hard to grasp. That the love of God is so phenomenal that it actually transforms us. And that same love has translated us into the kingdom of his son. Because the scriptures say we were translated out of darkness into the kingdom of his son and into his marvelous light. You see, the kingdom of God, I see it like this. The kingdom of God is the glorious kingdom of love. Oh, once again, 
John makes it clear in 1 John 4, 9, that we cannot understand the concept of love without knowing God. The world talks about love, but it is clueless and devoid of understanding regarding true love. 1 John 4, 9 says this, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. You see, because once we receive Christ, we are now alive to Christ, and we will live through him on this earth, and then we will live with him for eternity when we leave this earth. But you and I cannot know or comprehend what true love is without knowing God. And that's a principle we just need to grab a hold of. We cannot, cannot know or comprehend what true love is without knowing God. It is not possible. It's black and white. You see, before we were born again, we often told our parents or loved ones or friends or even our spouses that we loved them. Yet ultimately, we were truly ignorant of what those words meant. Was it a real emotion that we felt? Of course it was a real emotion. But true love is having God's love in our heart, loving him first and foremost, and then others. And that's how it has to be. It has to be loving God first and foremost before we can actually truly love others and love ourselves. 1 John 4, 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Well, that's kind of profound. He goes on, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And his spirit is love. He is the essence of love. No one, no human being ever born on this earth could ever, ever say of themselves that they are the ultimate perfection of love. No one except Jesus Christ. So without Jesus, love cannot exist. You see, without Jesus, we would never even comprehend love. We wouldn't know how to experience love or to receive love or to give love. 
because Jesus is love. And without Jesus, there would be no existence of love. His nature, his character, his essence, his very being exudes love. It's what makes Jesus God. And it's what separates him from the world. The giving of of himself to reconcile the world, the entire world, back to their heavenly father. That was a sacrificial act of love. And that's what biblical love is. It's active. And it's selfless. I'd like to share a story that I believe emphasizes the opposite of selfless love. This is an old Aesop fable. Now, if you're as old as I am, you know Aesop fables, but I don't know. The 20-somethings, 30-somethings may never have heard of Aesop's fables. But anyway, the title of this fable is called The Travelers and the Bear. Two men were walking, excuse me, two men were traveling through the forest together on a lonely trail. Soon they heard a sound up ahead, as if heavy feet were trampling through the underbrush. It could be a bear, one whispered with alarm. And quickly, as he could, he scrambled up a tall tree. He had barely reached the first branch when a huge brown bear thrust aside the bushes and stepped out onto the path. Hugging the trunk with both arms, the first traveler traveler refused to lend a hand to his terrified companion, who threw himself on the ground and prepared for death. The bear lowered its great head and sniffed at the man, ruffling his hair with its nose. Then, to the amazement of both men, the fierce beast walked away. That first traveler slid down from his tree. Why, it almost looked as if the bear whispered something in your ear, he marveled. It did, said the second traveler. It told me to choose a better companion for my next journey. So, the proverbial statement is, misfortune is the true test of friendship. But my point in the story is that this person, the first traveler, was more concerned about himself. There was no selfless act of love He didn't try to help his companion. He was fine to let his companion be killed by the bear. But the second traveler, in seeing how this all played out, recognized this wasn't the best companion to be on that journey with. Now, biblical love in the Greek is called agape which was graphically illustrated for you and for me when Jesus shed his blood on the cross. That was agape love. There is a story 
that was made into a movie that depicts that selfless love for mankind called Hacksaw Ridge. This movie, directed by Mel Gibson, is the true story of a man named Desmond T. Doss, who was a conscientious objector who won our nation's highest military honor, the Medal of Honor. Doss was a Seventh-day Adventist, and he refused to kill an enemy soldier or to carry a weapon into combat. But he willingly chose military service. He was constantly made fun of and humiliated by his fellow soldiers for his strong Christian beliefs. Many times they were very cruel to him, but he never retaliated. He eventually was sent to the island of Okinawa, where he would display one of the most Christ-like missions of a military man. He saved the lives of 75 men. As a medic, he was awarded two bronze stars for exceptional valor in aiding wounded soldiers under fire. But that day, on Hacksaw Ridge, on the island of Okinawa, he alone retrieved the bodies of the wounded himself and developed a system where he stood atop that ridge, lowering these men down to safety. Each time, he would say, Lord, just give me one more. Just one more, Lord. Desmond Doss, because of his strong religious convictions, saved the lives of 75 men. That was selfless love in action. I'm sure in his mind, he was also realizing that probably most of these men did not know Christ, and he didn't want to see them enter eternity without knowing their Savior. The Apostle John wrote that, quote, We love him because he first loved us, 1 John 4, 19. It pleased him to choose us. Ephesians 2, 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And Desmond Doss certainly did that. We've been created to love all people, but without Jesus, without him, we cannot love with God's kind of love. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 8, he said, And you were made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, and in, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. 
by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that there was a day and a time when you and I did not follow God and our conduct was fulfilling our own lustful desires. Our desires were Satan's desires. That's why he says we were sons of disobedience. Our nature pre-Christ then was not a heavenly nature. We were children of wrath, conducting ourselves in the sins and pleasures of this life. Then God arrived on the scene in our life because of his great love for us and because of his rich mercy toward us, and he saved us. And now that we are saved, he raised us up together with him. And now you and I are seated in heavenly places with Christ that in time, he will show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. I want to read something that the late Reverend David Wilkerson said. He said, the question is, do I really want to allow the Holy Spirit to show me where I need changing? You see, there's a purpose behind God's unrelenting love. It is this. There is power in God's love to solve all your problems by changing you. If you tell me you're a good person, kind, charitable, forgiving, washed clean in Christ's blood, I answer, God's love provides for more than forgiveness. You can be forgiven and a good person, but still governed and enslaved by your sin nature. We're all born with Adam's nature, that tendency to sin. In fact, it's that nature in us that gets easily provoked, jealous, lustful, angry, unforgiving. That same nature is the one in us that loves money, sows, sows seeds of destruction, and can't rejoice when others are blessed. If you've been fighting against your sin nature, you're waging a losing battle. That nature can't be changed. It will always be flesh and always resist the Holy Spirit. Our fleshly nature is beyond redemption, and therefore it must be crucified. This means admitting, I can never please God on my own. I know my flesh can never help me. We have to be given a new nature, and that nature is the very nature of Christ. This isn't a redoing of our old nature or a makeover of our flesh. The old has to die. It has to pass away. What I'm talking about is the birth of a totally new nature. And the new covenant has made provision for this, where it says, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of his divine nature, 2 Peter 1.4. God's love says to us, I want to assure you your position in Christ. You have, you have to give up trying to change your flesh's nature 
and let me give you my son's nature. There is but one condition for this to take place. Simply believe. The change in nature comes by faith alone. You must believe I will be God to you. Beloved, any believer can become as much like Jesus as he or she desires. If you can just say, I believe God truly loves me, you're confessing that he has offered you power to be changed. Scripture says we have all been given a measure of faith. Therefore, we all have the capacity to believe the Lord for this infusion of his nature. Would you make this your prayer today? Would you just pray with me? Holy Spirit, I know I don't have much of the grace Paul is talking about. Show me where I need to change. I believe my Father loves me unrelentingly. And that love has made provision for me to take on his nature. I know I have been given the power to be changed by you. Give me your nature, Jesus. Well, friends, remember, you are his beloved and we are his. Amen and amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed tonight's program. This is Dawn Noble. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this program again. You can download the iHeartRadio app and go to the podcast titled Pure Heart Ministries and listen 24-7. And of course, I always, always must thank you for praying for this ministry. Prayer makes a difference. And I would certainly love for you to consider, please consider, supporting this ministry financially, you can send a check to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. I'd love to hear from some of you uh, by email. I know, I know this broadcast goes into Canada and all the way to Florida And so I'd like to hear from some Southern folks and some Northern folks. You can email me all lowercase letters, D-A-W-N, dawn at pureheart.today. That's dawn at pureheart.today. Well, I certainly look forward to being with you next week. This is Dawn Noble saying, Shalom, Shalom. Peace be unto you you.